Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Acts chapter 12, take your Bibles, please. Thank you, Minister Micah. Thank you, worship team. Deeply appreciate it. Verse 1, New King James. Now about that time, Herod, the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church, kind of like, kind of like what our government's doing. Then he killed James, a brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. And it was during the days of unleavened bread, so... When he had arrested him, he had him put in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, which is a little overkill in the natural. The truth is, no matter how many squads of soldiers they would try to put against God's man, God's people, it matters not. But why would he put four squads is the question. Because he's nervous nervous about a powerful church, intending to bring him before the people after the Passover. And Peter was kept in prison, but constant, I want you to say constant, the constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping. Tells you how worried he was. He doesn't have anxiety. He's not, you know, listening to some app that makes him dream of butterflies so he can go to sleep. He, he has rest. Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers. I mean, they have gone the extra precaution here. Move in power in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to keep reading, though. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he, that's the angel, struck Peter on the side, and raising him up, said, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know he didn't know lots of stuff. (laughs) Did not know what was being done was an angel was real. But he thought he was seeing a vision. It shows you how common visions are. When they were past the first and the second Guard posts, they came to an iron gate which leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. They went out and went down one street, and immediately an angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname is Mark. And there were many gathered there together praying. There were what? Many gathered together 
Praying. Let's run that through one more time. There are many gathered together praying. And Peter knocked the door of the gate, and a girl named Rhoda came and answered. She recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness. She didn't open the gate but ran and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself or out of your mind. Yet she kept on insisting that it was so. So they said, it's his angel, which is also fascinating. Now Peter continued knocking. is that crazy? Here he is. He got out of the pen, and they won't let him into the prayer meeting because they can't believe he got out. Continued knocking. Okay. They opened the door and saw it was him and they were astonished. Motioned to them with his hand that he should keep silent. He declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. He said, go and tell these things to James and the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Father, move in power. I pray tonight, the moments that remain in this unusual service, have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. I am learning, beginning to grow up in the Lord. I wish, really, that I had had some of the importation that I now have and understanding in Scripture that I now have. I, w- I really, it wouldn't it have been great if I had it in my 20s. You know, I just feel like I could do so much damage now for the kingdom. Just, oh God. And then at the same thought, I have a promise Joel 2, 25, that the Lord will restore all the wasted years. How many of you have some years you wish you could have back? Yeah, God will restore all the wasted years that the, the canker worm ate, and he will, doesn't matter how, come on, Moses started in the ministry when he's 80. Get a grip. Well, I'm 82. Well, get to work. And I'm learning about faith. I'm learning about how to pull out of the invisible, the, the, the will of God to see manifested in the earth. And I want you to know that if you can get a hold of what I preached to you tonight, it will change your life forever. Everybody say forever. Cock your head like you mean it and say forever. Say it like, come on, say it with some attitude. Forever. I don't know how you handle crisis and miracle, you know, difficulties. I don't know how you handle emergencies. I've learned to handle them through intercession, through prayer, through fasting. I learned to handle them through prayer. It's not always the case. And I have to say that even still sometimes my, my immediate response is not always, well, I've done pretty good lately. But it hasn't always been, you know, oh, God, you know, just start crying out. There is times where I'd be like, oh, what are we going to do? What do you mean what are we going to do? You have a prayer meeting. You have a breakthrough. What did the first century church do when they needed resources, when they needed breakthrough? Did they wring their hands? Did they worry? Did they get on Facebook? No, no, they didn't. They didn't have Facebook, Pastor. Yeah, I know they didn't have Facebook, but they had a prayer life. The church is in crisis then, and the church is in crisis now. Are you saying, Pastor, are we in crisis? Well, if you understand that that we've been placed here as God's ambassadors and it seems like much of the world is going to hell in a handbasket where you have people that are 
you know, cross-dressing school teachers teaching sex education classes to people that are like in fourth grade. No, seriously. And calling it right. Are you against that? Every day of the week? Yes. Look at this text. What's happened is King Agrippa I. So that's the grandson of uh, King Herod. King Herod Agrippa I is the grandson of King Herod. He came on the seed, wanted to associate with the Jewish leaders, and um, he went ahead and killed James with the sword. And Peter, they, they, this is about 10 years, approximately 10 years after the resurrection. So Jesus, the, the church is 10 years old, approximately. And so Peter's about to be tried and executed. You figure, well, that worked pretty good. I got a lot of favor from the Jews when I killed James. <laughs> Let's get the main guy. Let's get Peter. Let's get the apostle Peter. We'll kill him, and everybody's going to really think I'm the man. So they, they gather Peter. He's about to be executed. Uh, but they're waiting till the holiday's over without getting into all the details of that. And Peter's asleep. And what happens is, as he's in prison, the church, it's verse 5. It's one of the key verses in the text. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the, by the church. We'll talk about it, but he... He's released, an angel comes, one angel, not a band of angels, one, just one. One angel's going to throw Satan with one chain in the lake of fire. You don't need a band of angels, one will do. One angel comes, has to kick him, he's sleeping so soundly, and I just can imagine him snoring with a giant beard and dribbling on his beard maybe a little bit. And a light shines around the whole prison. The angel kicks him on the, strikes him on the side. That's, we're talking a sound sleeper. Wakes him up. When he stands up, his chains fall off. And, and he's let out. And the guards are, they're out. They're incapacitated. They're, 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 they don't do anything. The guards do anything. They walk past the guard posts. The first automatic gate happens. It's the iron gate that leads to the city. And it opens. I felt like we were walking through a gate today in Anchorage. You know, Abraham said that, the, that his offspring will possess the gates of their enemies. The gates is a place of decisions. The gates is a place of, of, um, of great influence. It's where decisions were made for the city. If you think that God allowed us to have the church building where it is at the very gate of Wasilla, you're totally mistaken. It's on purpose. It's absolutely by design. It's the high place. And you enter in, you see that somebody said from the, uh, the, the county council or the borough council, I forget, borough council, you can't have a cross there. We don't want the city to think that we're a religious city. I was like, it's too late. We're a Holy Spirit-filled city. I said, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. What's your plan? Takeover, a complete takeover. Every man, every woman, child coming to Christ. Redemption, people getting off drugs, people dancing in the street. A revival, a great outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit, like the golden oil of Zechariah poured over the state. Come on down to Soldatna and down to all the way down to Kachikan and over into Canada and over to China and over to Russia. An outpouring, a global outpouring. 
go to the life group. We have life groups. There are these small, you know, up to about 10 people, sometimes larger. We try to keep them under 12. Gatherings in people's homes. They meet in coffee shops, meet in different places. You'll notice Acts 20, they met house to house. Well, that, that's still a biblical model. Somebody said, there's never going to be a church again. It's all going to a house church movement. You can have your house church movement. I'm so glad for this. I'm so glad for a corporate anointing. You know, if we're forced underground, I think he's coming back before that happens. I don't think it'll ever just go to a house church movement. And if you have a revelation of a house church movement, do it with all your heart. That's not the vision we have here. We'll have, we'll have house churches or, can we say it, life groups. We'll have them. We'll encourage them. We'll raise up leaders. But we'll always be gathering. Come on, someone say yes. And if that's not the vision uh, of you and your church, then you go ahead and do it with all your heart. And uh, we'll do what God called us to do with all our heart. I've had people come to tell me, you know, there's no more buildings. You don't need to build any more buildings. It's just, that, that's, you, you do whatever God has you do with all your heart. You do that. Go for it. I'm going to do what he told me to do. You do what you told you to do. Amen. Come on, somebody. you got to obey God. you, you got to obey what the Lord says. So he goes to a house church. He goes to a life group. And they don't even believe that he showed up. The, the, the key to having God's divine intervention in your ministry, divine intervention in your business, divine intervention in your marriage, divine intervention in your children, divine intervention in the United States of America, the key to having divine intervention is found in this text. I'm going to preach it to you. The very first point, if you're taking notes here, fervent prayer was offered. But fervent prayer. What kind of prayer? Fervent prayer. Constant fervent prayer. Constant prayer. Constant fervent prayer is offered to God for him. Fervent prayer is very different than a milquetoast, relaxed, chill prayer. My kids told me long ago, Hannah, Dad, you have no chill. You're right. I have no chill. Pray for me. I will believe to have some more chill. Meanwhile, I have the gift of smashing through stuff in the, in the name of Jesus. It's, it's a gift of zeal. When you read James, the book of James. Oh, let's go there. Go to James. Go there. Go to James. Chapter 5, verse 13. Listen to this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The Catholics use this for the confessional. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Let me, let me read this in, in the uh, Bracken Amplified. The effective, fervent, ardent, burning, zealous, impassioned prayer of a righteous man brings about much change. Let me, let, me, let me say that again. The effective, fervent, ardent, burning, zealous, impassioned prayer of the righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Because that's really what it's saying. The effective, fervent prayer. Have you ever seen water boil? When you see water boiling, it's kind of violent. God wants to raise you. If you don't know how to pray, you know how to be violent about other things. I know. I've counseled some of you. 
Can you be fervent in prayer? See, many people don't know that their, their conscience convict them, so they don't come before the Lord with a clear conscience. They're like, I can't really talk to God that way because I just, you know, I just, you know, I just, I just, yeah, you just have sin and you don't really understand who you are. And then once you really understand who you are, then you're like, hey, Dad, hey, I need some help right now. God, release your, it's a different kind of prayer. When you tithe, when you give, you can say, Lord, you said you'd throw open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that I've room enough to receive it. I need some windows. I need some windows. I need some windows right now. Windows. I need some windows. I need some floodgates. I need some floodgates. I need some flood, 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 floodgates. Right now. Provide right now. That earthquake 7.1 or whatever it was, I don't know, 7.1 by some people, 7.2 by others. I don't know. I just know that my house was shaking a whole lot. I was on the phone with Brother George Ostmiller in the very bag. And uh, shout out if this story is not true. But you know it is. We are talking about the steel in the building. Sometimes we don't remember things right, so I'm going to come back here. Good luck on the camera. We were talking about the steel in the building, how big it is, and we are talking about earthquakes. And we are like, well, that's right. And I said something like, it's big because we get big earthquakes. And I said, as a matter of fact, we're having one right now. Isn't that, is that right? Yep. That's right. And so, <laughs> I said, we're having one right now. And it starts rolling. And then, honestly, it went to another level. When it went to another level, I forgot you are on the phone. And I just had you in my hand on speakerphone, and I started roaring in tongues. And I don't mean the normal kind of Shandai Shuba kind. I mean like violent, chop down the forest, raise the dead. That's how I did it. I came down my stairs. Is that true? That's what happened, right? Really? So I, I come down the stairs praying in tongues. With, the, with the, the phone in my hand, doing the intercessory chop. And I stood in the middle of my house. I lost my mind. Listen, you really get to find out what's in you when the government wants to take your stuff, when they want to take your guns, when they want to tell you that your babies are going to be educated by people who are demonized. You get to find out. I'm telling you, it's time to stand up, church. We're in a crisis right now. It's time to stand up. It's time to decree. It's time to proclaim. It's time to fervently pray. Not some lame duck. Oh, Jesus. Now he lay me down to sleep. Oh, stop. It was cute in the 50s. It ain't cute now, but it didn't do very much for us, did it? Everybody say fervent prayer. Turn to Luke 18. Somebody said, it's hot in here. Yes, it is. Matthew, Mark, Acts, Luke.
fervent prayer. Come on, somebody say, help me to pray fervently. I love hearing beautiful prayer. I love contemplative prayer. I love peaceful, kind, gracious prayer. Even beautiful, flowery, you know, prayer that's like poems and stuff. And fervency is really an issue of a heart. It's not a volume of your voice. Although for me, I can't help myself. I get loud. It's kind of my personality. But I know people that get loud but have nothing from the heart. That's, that's different. That's you being loud so people can see you pray or something. I don't know. And really, though, the Lord is the judge of that. You know, how, you know how you know if somebody has an effective prayer life? You want to know how? Results. What do you mean? When they pray, God answers their prayer. I mean, when you, you, you want to know, you want to give your, your prayer request to somebody, you want to partner with somebody in prayer? Why would you partner with someone like, uh, um, what's that guy's name? Revivalist. Um, was going to be a lawyer. Come on, Chancey, help me out. I know you guys study. It was going to be a lawyer, New York, upstate New York. Um, what's his name? No, no, long, long ago, long, bygone age. Anyway, he was studying to be a lawyer, got born again. And the, the, the pastors invited him to be a part of their prayer meeting. You know what he, you know what he said? I mean, this is not, most pastors pray 15 to 20 minutes a day, which will get you nowhere. So they asked him, once you come to be a part of our meetings, and the priest said, why would I be a part of your meeting? You guys are doing nothing. Ain't nothing happening. Why would I be a part of your prayer meeting? And he would go out to the woods, and he would pray. And he had these massive revivals. Finney. Charles Finney. Great great, great American revivalist. And God used him. It all came from prayer. Somebody said, how, how have you guys done what's happened here at King's? As a people that fervently pray. Here for over 20 years, right here. And sometimes there's only been a handful of us. Other times there's been as many as 80. It goes up and down. But I'm going to tell you something. One of the reasons we're seeing God doing what he's doing because we've been asking for a long time. We will continue to ask. We will continue to seek. We'll continue to knock. Prayer, fervent prayer. Luke 18, are you all there? Luke 18, find verse one. And he spoke this parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was a certain city, a judge, who did not fear God nor regard men. Amen. And there was a widow in that city. And she came to him and said, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. And shall God not avenge, listen closely, his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears along with them. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, please listen closely, will he find faith in the earth? This verse is so profound, it's terrifying. First of all, God's not unjust. But there is a declaration 
that when we cry out day and night, pillar of cloud by night, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's, there, there should be prayer. And I believe that's happening all around the world. We're contending to build a 24-hour, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer center. And God will help us to do that. But he says, nevertheless, will the Son of Man, when the Son of Man comes. Now, what does that mean? So he's talking about the second coming. So he's saying, will the Son of Man come? Will he really find faith on earth? What his logic, to understand this Line upon line here, what he's saying is the widow got justice because she cried out and wouldn't let up. I am not unjust, and I will grant to you justice as you cry out day and night. So there's like a, a prerequisite. There's a praying. There's a crying out day and night. And then he says, and when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? So what he does is, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He ties faith to a prayer meeting. If you want to see God pour out in your ministry, in your business, in your life, in your family, in your church, wherever you are, you got to have a prayer meeting. And I would further say, you need a corporate one. I have counseled and talked with friends of mine that have been through untold difficulties leading mega churches that they did not need to go through. The only reason they went through it by revelation, and, and, and I don't have the fullness of it, but the, one, of the, one of the main reasons they went through the difficulties is because they didn't have a gathered place where they prayed, where they bound, where they loosed, where they believed God for the harvest, where they took authority in, in the Spirit. You will never take a region, you will never fulfill your plan, that God, the plan that God has for you, without prayer. And I want to further say, without corporate prayer. The context of this, Acts 12, is a corporate prayer meeting. Continuous prayer. Acts uh, 12, 5, continuous prayer. So many scriptures. Psalm 88, let me just read a few as we begin to land this burden. Psalm 88, 1, O Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and in the night before you. 1 Chronicles 16, 11, seek the Lord his strength, seek his face continually. Psalm 116, 2, because I was inclined his ear to me, therefore shall I call upon him as long as I live. Continuous prayer. It wasn't just continuous, it was united, which is very key. I'll tell you a key for your marriage, all you married folks, don't ever get out of agreement. Being out of agreement is a recipe for death. And, and I could tell you stories where I know people's lives were ended early when the wife was insistent, please don't do it, please don't do it. No, I'm going to do it. I'm the man of the house. I've got, a, I've got a peace with God. Well, I don't. Well, I'm going to do it, and you're just going to, and he's dead, okay? Crash, accident, dead. I'm telling you, one of the protective measures, one of the ways that God leads is by agreement. And you've got to get an agreement. Well, I know God's supposed to be good. Well, if your wife didn't hear yet, then the timing's wrong. Let me go over here because I'm not feeling the love. You want, the, the, Lord, the Lord told me, but he hasn't told my husband yet. Well, you better pray, sis. He's as stubborn as an ox. Well, you, that's, that's your first ministry. So you just pray. Just pray. Cook a little better. Wear something nice and pray hard. 
Pastor Karen told me to say that. I mean, women's conference up and coming. United prayer. Did I say that? Like I said, Pastor Karen told me to say it. In, in Psalm 133, it says, I'm not looking at any of the front row. Okay. Come on, let's pray right now. Jesus, help Pastor God. <laughs> united. Everybody say united. In Genesis 11, verse 1 through 6, is the story of the Tower of Babel. And what the Lord says is this in verse 6. The Lord said, if one people speaking the same language have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. It's the power of unity. Now, that was unity for, for evil, corrupt, really. Many people believe they were building a ziggurat to have sexual relations with the demonic world to bring power. And what did the Lord do? He came and he confused their language. What did he do? He confused their language. And in confusing their language, they couldn't be unified. It's so important to speak clearly to each other and to dialogue back and forth about what you understand, what was said. It's a, it's a, um, it's a counseling trick, if you will. You share something with somebody, you say, now what did I say? It's amazing how many times you'll hear back something completely different than what you just said. A people who were building this, this tower to the heavens to, to copulate and do evil with evil are confused and can no longer build that. Then what happens in an upper room in Acts chapter 2? The day of Pentecost had fully come. There was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. When they were all gathered together in one accord, in a unity. I'm going to tell you, without unity in your family, you're toast. Without unity in a church, you're finished. That's why here we have a zero strife policy. If you're going to cause problems, we will be a problem to you. We will help you. You will get, you'll get straightened out with the love of God. Or we'll give you the right foot of fellowship and move on in the unity. We don't allow division. Don't talk, don't talk stink about, about people. Don't do it. Be on God's building crew, not on the devil's wrecking crew. I have a zero strife policy in my family. If there's a problem, we don't have grudges. You don't let your, the sun go down in your wrath. Always give, uh, giving place, topos is the Greek, a, a foothold to the devil. Some of you allow the devil to move into your home all the time because you're constantly mad. I can't believe you. <laughs> You can't believe them and you're mad and you're also stupid. You need to like get that out. You need to like repent. You need to work it out. And if you have constant, if you have people in your life constantly that are causing strife and difficulties, listen, I'm not close with people like that. What do you mean? Oh, I know lots of people like that. No one here, of course. But they're not close to me. I don't bring them, they're not part of my inner circle. I don't bring unfaithful, disloyal, angry, disobedient, vengeful, gossiping, backbiting, backstabbing people close into my life. I don't have, they're, they're not going to be my close confidants. Hardworking, spirit-filled people that are endeavoring to do the will of God? Yes. But do we all do it perfectly? No. 
if you don't have agreement, if you don't have a, a constant, a fervent, fervent, constant, united, everybody say united. You will not see the kind of breakthrough of miracles that God wants to bring. Your wife's been telling you for years, it gets quit smoking pot. You're like, you know what? It's legal and I can smoke pot if I want to. You're stupid. How about serving somebody? We like that all the way in the back. I saw somebody laughing all the way in the back. Yes! <laughs> How about doing something that to serve somebody else instead of you being the man or the woman or demanding your rights? I got like four people encouraged by that. If you look at 1 Chronicles 5 and the 120 and the priests came together to make one sound, then the cloud came. Acts 2, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. You want the power of God in your life, you're going to have to get united. See, you're bothering me. That's okay. I'll be done in about five to ten minutes. We'll be totally concluded. And if you want to stay broken in your own life, if you want to stay in a life that doesn't have breakthrough, doesn't have miracles, if you want to have a shattered family, then just keep doing what you're doing. Stay in disagreement, discord, and strife. See how it, how's it working for you right now? I'm gonna get the love back here. I'll be right back. Hey, Ben. Praise God, Pastor. You're being a little aggressive. Listen, some of you, some of you are partnered with demons, and and you wonder why you don't walk in the kind of favor and blessing that you see in Scripture that you hear declared from this pulpit. It's because you got to break agreement with the devil. You can't. You can't sit at the table of the Lord and the table of demons and expect the favor of God. That's not how that works. Man, I'm being a little intense tonight. Like I said, I have no chill. Let's move on. <laughs> Philippians 2, uh, Philippians 1.27. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, that'll preach. So that whether I come and see you or when I'm absent, I'd hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Wow. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say. There be no divisions among you. That you be perfectly united in mind and thought. 2 Corinthians 13, you want the New Testament kind of Christianity. One, raise the dead, heal the sick, set the captives free Christianity. You can't do it without unity. You can't do it. And you can't do it without fervent, constant, fervent, United prayer. That is how we're going to turn our nation around. An outpouring. Are you guys getting anything? Yeah. Ephesians 4 and 13. I'm almost done. Can I have some keys to ease the pain? <laughs> Bear with one another and forgive one another. It's Ephesians 4 13. If any of you has a grievance against somebody, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Verse 14. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Bind us together. It's an old one. God's intervention is coming to America, is coming to Alaska, is coming to your life, is coming to mine, but it will not come without the kind of constant, fervent, united prayer. Corporate prayer is the context. Oh, have your individual prayer. 
You need it. You have to have it. Got to have your prayer closet. Yes. By the way, prayer's out loud. Almost always. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your prayer closet, shut the door so that nobody hears what you're saying, but your heavenly Father hears what you're saying. But why would you shut the door? Because you can't hear what I'm thinking right now. Go ahead. Having a conversation all by myself. You have no idea what I'm saying. Why would you have to shut the door if prayer was silent? It's not that it isn't. It can also be meditative and silent. God is trying to touch some of you, but he can't seem to get you to a prayer meeting. Peter's freed because they they prayed. The church was unbelieving because I think they prayed the first time and James got killed. But if you think they didn't have this kind of prayer meeting when James was killed, I think they did. It's possible they didn't, but I think they did. I'm not sure. But could it be that they prayed for James not to be killed, and he did? Just like they prayed for John the Baptist not to lose his head, and he did. I must decrease, he must increase, John said. I don't know the outcome of what's going to take place in our nation. I just know what God's called us to, that the blood would not be on our hands. And prayer is key. It's key. I'm calling you to it. I'm calling you to prayer. We are going to set up 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week prayer. I'm not sure how we're going to do it. It's going to start in about April 14th, I think, so we'll kick it off all the way to Pentecost, 40 days. We're going to pray. Got a strategy. I'm calling you to prayer. If you want, how many of you need some miracles? Are you praying with the kind of fervency that God would require of you? And really, it's of the heart. It's not volume. Like, I've, I've heard volume, but it but also might include volume. Dr. Morocco saying to his father, Dan Morocco, Hey, Dad, do you have to pray so loud? His father had an operatic voice, would put a chair in the middle of a gym, cry out, God, move in power, God, move in. And just like, like that, like old school Pentecostal prayer meeting. Jim Morocco, Dr. Morocco now, he'd be like, oh, God. It's just so embarrassing. So he says to his dad, hey, dad, seriously, you have to pray so loud? You know, he's not deaf. He said, that's right, son, and he's not nervous either. You have to learn to pray fervently because you'll never see the kind of releases of God's power if you don't learn to do it. I'm beginning to see quick, very quick answers to prayer. Sometimes you have to labor for many, many years for things to happen. Other times there comes a season. I'm prophesying to you fullness right now. Somehow there's a fullness that's come to release God's blessing and power for those who are partnered with Him. But if you don't partner with Him, you're, you're not in prayer. You're not, you're not in agreement. You're not united. You, I'm in, inviting you to. I, I know I'm, I whipped up on you a little bit to try. It's your flesh. Your flesh doesn't want to get up and pray. Flesh doesn't want to go to a prayer meeting. Just pray sort of on the way. No, set aside some time. Set aside some time to get in the Word. Set aside some time to pray. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, 
Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.